The biggest question as the Chargers open up training camp is who is going to start at right tackle, and this week we get to see that battle start between Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton, and there are several other offensive battles that could determine just how good this Chargers offense could be. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And we've been covering the Chargers together for over six seasons. We're heading into our fifth season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. And it's an exciting time to be here, guys, because training camp opens up this week and David will be there for it. But we have to get into our camp battles and it starts with Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton. But to make sure you guys never miss the show, go subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you to everyone for being patient for the show to come back, but we have returned. I did get married. Thank you to David Drogmeyer. He was awesome through the whole thing. We got to spend that day together. It was great. But now it's football season, baby. And now it's time to get into these camp battles. And I think that's the biggest one, but by no means the only one, because you have Josh Palmer versus Jalen Guyton for wide receiver three. Those stats were a little bit closer than I thought, but one of those guys is poised to make a big leap potentially going into year two, so you can figure out how that is. And then we also have to talk about the RB2 position, David. Is it going to be Isaiah Spiller just running away with it, no pun intended? Can Larry Roundtree or Josh Kelly make some noise? Could they end up being cut? And there's some other small ones as well, but it starts with Trey Pipkins versus Storm Norton, David, and I think this would be the first chance to kind of at least see the new and improved version of Trey Pipkins this week. But like this is easily the most important battle that's going to happen. Yeah, we've seen all the fluff pieces. We, we've seen all of the posts about him working out there with, with Duke Emanuel and uh, that's all well and great. And I mean, you, you definitely want to see that stuff. It makes you feel better about everything. Much better than the alternative. Yes, right. Hearing nothing and seeing nothing. Right. You don't want that either. But training camp is where it's all going to be decided. This is where they are going to step on the field and to determine who is going to come out victorious, who is going to be that right tackle for the Chargers last this year. Last year, we thought it was going to be Brian Bulaga, but unfortunately, Brian Bulaga succumbed to injuries and was never able to be that person for the Chargers, and the Chargers had to scramble to figure out who was going to play right tackle for them. This year, they know exactly who the candidates are, and we have to see who the best one is going to be. And I guess, unfortunately, they're, you know, third and fourth tackles from last season going into things, right? Because it was never expected that Storm Norton was going to start. It was expected by us because, I mean, who would have thought Brian Bulaga was going to be able to stay healthy? Like, unfortunately, that was very easy to see coming, and they were good with who they had behind him. But that's kind of the other interesting thing about this, David, is because obviously – best case scenario as i've been saying consistently is you want one of them to run away with it and i think you want trey pipkins to run away with it just because he's your draft pick he's the guy that probably has more athletic ability and he's the guy that played better in an incredibly small sample size last year at the same time whoever loses that job right now looks like they're in line to be the swing tackle which doesn't give you a lot of confidence if that man just lost his job potentially in storm norton's case right in this training camp so i think that's the hard thing here david is he's even one of them runs away with it even if one of them plays very well, I think it's still fair to question what the depth is at that position when it's potentially Storm Norton, who's going to be Trey Pipkin's backup if everything works well. 
Right, and God forbid anything happens to either of your two starters, whether it's Rashawn Slater or, you know, whoever's playing right tackle, whether it's Trey, Trey Pipkins there. And we saw it last year. You know, Trey Pipkins had to step in when Rashawn Slater couldn't play. And to his credit, he he went out there and he played admirably. He played really good football. And the same thing for Storm Norton. He went out, Trey Pipkins goes in and plays a, another very, very, very close to flawless football game for them. So that's the, the tantalizing thing with Trey Pipkins. It's just been a lot of football where we don't know what we're going to see. And then spots of greatness, spots of brilliance that make you feel very excited for that potential. But potential is nothing if you don't put the work behind it. And then you go out there and execute it consistently week after week. And that's what they're going to have to prove in training camp. They're going to have to prove day in and day out that they're the right player to play right tackle for the chargers this season. Yeah. And I mean, last year it's just so hard to compare these two guys because I mean, you also hope that storm Norton improved. Right? Oh yeah. And, and it's not 100%. a given, but like, I'm sure he's working hard in the off season too. I mean, yeah. hearing Duke many weather say that about Trey Pipkins at OL masterminds, that's a really nice feather to have in your cap. And it definitely may, gives me more hope, but yeah, you yeah. do have to see it play out. And whoever loses that is still going to be your swing tackle option. And in Storm Norton's case, it was 60 pressures allowed last year, which is second yeah. worst amongst Nine tackles. sacks. Yeah. Second most amongst tackles, right? I mean, six penalties, also bad. And there were some good games, right? So it's like yeah. there is a way that maybe he can find that more consistent level. But easily in the short amount of time they were out there last year, it was Trey Pipkins. They let Storm Norton finish the season out in the last game of the year after he'd been out a little while and had missed a couple of games. And then they ended up letting, you know, him go out there against the Raiders. It was a really, really bad performance and it totally showed up and it looked like one of the, you know, easy weak spots to look at going into the season. And I think the other thing too is, I mean, there's no clear fourth tackle option. They went into last year with four tackles, but that might have been just because of the whole Brian Bulaga situation. We don't really know who that guy is going to be right now for the Chargers. And the other thing is, is how bad does it have to be before you decide something's different? Because even if Trey Pickens runs away with it, but Storm Norton goes out there and struggles or vice versa, Storm Norton looks like an incredibly improved player. And now he's going out there, right? And, but Trey Pickens is taking a step back. What, like, will we see them do something else? Will they see them add someone or if both of them go out there and they're just getting drubbed by Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa? what is the panic level going to have to get to before they either try to upgrade at, as, at the starting right tackle position or they feel like they need to go out there and get a different swing tackle to be the main backup for Rashawn Slater and whoever wins that battle? Well, and also, let's not forget, there's not a lot of players out there right now. And the oh, longer yeah, that you wait, the longer you've tried to – it takes for you to figure out, do I have the right guys in the building, the less and less – quality of players that could potentially step in to help fill that position there are going to be available out there for you so I think the Chargers need to be very vigilant and very very Hawkeye on both of these guys to try to figure out if they are producing the level of play that is going to be necessary for them to go out there and play the type of football that they want to this season they have to do it and they have to be very very close about it because, like I said, the longer they wait, the less the players are going to be available for them to sign. Yeah, I mean, and and I think if we're predicting it, we both ended up having the same prediction, which is that Trey Pickens ends up winning it. Yeah. In my scenario, and we're going to try to make at least some predictions on all of these you know, position battles, but 
I think Trey Pipkins wins the battle, but it still is something that could come back to haunt the Chargers at some point this season, right? Whether it's the depth or whether it's just Trey Pipkins isn't ready to take that step. It's just so hard to have confidence on both of these guys or either of these guys in particular right now until we see it. Hopefully one of them can take over and be a starting average level right tackle because that would be such an improvement on what they had and could be a huge part of, you know, how good this offense does. The nice thing is they were a top four offense last year with Storm Norton out there with all those struggles, right? So it's hard to get much worse of that situation. And it's hard to think they're going to be hindered offensively too much by whoever wins that as long as they can get better than what they had last year. And that seems like money in the bank. It seems like they can't have as bad the second worst performance last year at right tackle. It doesn't seem like they can get worse than that. But I think my money right now is easily, easily on Trey Pipkins. And I think, I mean, Tom Telesco is probably the number one person that wants that to happen. But when you need some money and you're having some tough times, there's one app that you need to have, and that is the Dave app. And we've all been there where you need a little bit of gas money. You need money so you can buy Dan a wedding gift. You know, all of those things. Everyone's been there totally normal things. Dave is the app that you need because Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your tank, more money for my wedding present to catch up on bills. You can finally tackle all those expenses that you've been stressing out about, and there's no interest and no credit check necessary for that. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app app to get the financial relief that they need with extra cash. So make sure you guys, if you're in a pinch, you go find that extra help with the Dave app and download it from the app store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for the extra cash account to get up to $500 instantly for terms and conditions. Go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. All right. Well, we talked about the biggest battle, David, but there's also some other very big battles that are going to really at least determine some parts of this Chargers offense and how successful or not successful it's going to be. Oh, yeah. The next biggest one is wide receiver three i think at least as far as sexiness for sure because i mean there's a couple of guys that it's kind of hard to see where they sit right now it's jalen guyton and joshua palmer and maybe there's a sixth guy you know maybe michael bandy has another crazy camp at receiver right maybe trevon bradford or jason moore somebody pops up and turns into a receiver that maybe can garner some attention for wide receiver six but we know they like deandre carter as wide receiver five we know that in jalen guyton and Josh Palmer are going to be some versions of four or three and four, right? Just seeing how that plays out is what we're here to talk about. And then Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, easily number one as far as the top two guys, right? They're the easy starters. And wide receiver three, to some extent, is kind of like a starting position, right? So this is a very important position. And now we have get to see the start of these guys playing out. And obviously, there's one big difference, and it's that Jalen Guyton is the fastest receiver they have. Yes, and and that's why when I look at these two as far as you know, the wide receiver three position, I look at it not as, as them fighting for the, the the wide receiver three spot as more of them fighting for the amount of snaps that they're going to get on the football field. I think that's really where I'm looking at it because these guys are two different wide receivers. Yes, they both play wide receiver, but they bring different elements to the game. Like you just, just mentioned, to clarify though, you're kind of saying that you don't see it being a three and four situation. You see it being like a, who's fighting for three, a and three B. Is that kind of what you're saying? 
the amount of snaps that they're going to get, like the amount of right. uh, option, the amount of targets that they're going to get on the football field, I think is more of what they are fighting for is yeah. their right to be on the field. I th- that's, that's really what I'm trying to say. Whoever that, wins this battle probably doesn't banish the other receiver from ever seeing the field. That's sure. exactly right. That's exactly right. Because they do do, they do different things for the offense. It's Jalen Guyton's come in to, in to stretch the field and bring that blazing speed and open things up for your receivers underneath and your tight ends underneath. Josh Palmer is your prototypical wide receiver that runs very crisp routes, has very strong hands, and can really be a, a solid backup or a person that can step in if, you if you know, God forbid, Keenan Allen or Mike Williams go down for any length of time. You feel pretty good about his uh, ability to step in and play that type of receiver. Jalen Guyton just goes about his business a different way. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's like, yeah, the better replacement for either Keenan Allen or Mike Williams is Josh Palmer. So that's, yeah. I think, when you're starting there is your floor, right? Your floor yeah. is having a very good backup to those guys potentially, right? If he is to make a leap, I think the biggest thing with Josh Palmer is that the Chargers kind of handicapping him blossoming into something more than just a good backup by having him in the situation where he's at. And also, can you feasibly run an offense where nobody at wide receiver runs, you know, better than like a 4-4-5 or something along those lines, right? Because I think Josh Palmer got deep separation a few times last year where Justin just misses him, and I think his season looks a lot better, you know, if that didn't happen. But are they giving up too much schematically? Do they have to have Jalen Guyton out there to get the kind of spacing that they need, or can they do it with just the threat of Mike Williams going running deep, right? Even if he's not creating a ton of separation, just being a deep threat in his own way. Do they use Keenan more for some of those deep threats? Because he's another guy that creates separation down the field and is a great ball tracker and is probably underutilized in that spot. Jalen Guyton, though, at the same time, has gotten a lot better, David. And when you're looking at what the advanced stats tell you, I mean, he holds up pretty well against uh, Josh Palmer. So Jalen Guyton has... He's faster, obviously. Check for Jalen Guyton. He has a higher separation created on average, according to NFL and next-gen stats, which I thought was a little surprising, but it's only on targets, right? So it doesn't count the plays where you're not getting targeted. Guyton created 3.4 yards of separation on average. Palmer created 2.5. This was the other interesting thing, and it's like I don't even remember some of these forced missed tackles, but Jalen Guyton was tied for the team team lead in most missed tackles forced amongst their wide receivers. He was tied with Mike Williams for 7th, with seven on the season, tied for first on the team, and they were both tied for 29th in the NFL. So I didn't remember him forcing that many missed tackles. That was surprising. Whereas Josh Palmer has only you know only forced one missed tackle last season, according to Pro Football Focus. But when Josh Palmer was on the field, he did better with those snaps. He had a higher yards per route run. He only had 295 receiving snaps last year. Jalen Guyton had 433. That's over, you know. A home yeah. with 150 snap difference. That's, that's pretty significant. As as yeah. Right. And he had more catches, less yards, more touchdowns, lower average catch. So it, yeah. it really is kind of a what you're looking for thing. But I think it might be closer until Josh Palmer makes that potential leap. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Another thing I want to, you know, kind of bring to the table is Justin Jackson had 22 catches on 25 targets and Steven Anderson had 16 catches on 19 targets. That's, 44 targets that are gone from last year. So there there might be some more opportunities for both of these guys to get a couple of more catches 
here on the football field to see to see what they can do. I mean, y- you never know how they're going to split things up, and they they might run the ball a little bit more, and they might throw it a quite a bit less. I mean, they might not need to throw it as many times as they did it last year, but there are sure. a couple of guys that are you know have, have left the offense that you know could give opportunities to other players. True. I mean, you probably think you would have to come from the same position, right? I mean, at yeah. least somewhat. Like, I mean, Jared Cook's targets are more in line for what we see Gerald Everett getting. Yeah. How much is Trey McKitty eating into what Steven Anderson isn't getting? I mean, the tight end situation, it's going to be interesting in its own conversation, right, to see if somebody can step up and potentially want make them want to keep a fourth. Because right yeah. now it just seems like it's three and then yeah. some guys, right? Stone yeah. Smart has gotten hurt. He was a guy who was kind of leading the pack for undrafted free agents at that position. It's going to be interesting to see if Simmons can, you know, separate themselves as a guy that they want to keep as for the fourth tight end. Cause they said they did, but they yeah. also kind of use a fullback in a similar way in a lot of ways. So that's going to be interesting. But for Jalen Guyton, I think it's just, he did less, I mean, more yards, but was less efficient on more snaps last season, but that's a significant snap boost. So how much is Josh Palmer going to eat into that? And can Josh Palmer going into year two be special enough to give up whatever you're getting with Jalen Guyton's speed, right? Because that is, I think, what the question question. is. I don't think he can banish him, but maybe he eats in a little bit of Mike Williams snaps, right? Maybe he eats into some of those Jalen Guyton snaps. But I just wonder if we're going to be able to see enough to, to see what that Josh Palmer leap could look like because it does seem if like there's one of those two dudes who can be something special it's more yeah. likely to be josh palmer yeah i mean just with the the, the total skill set there i mean you, you really love everything that he brings to the table i mean off the field the, the guy is an extremely hard worker seems like he's a very very good kid has a very level level head on his shoulders he comes to work every single day he is putting in as much work as you possibly can before and after practice. And it showcased itself on the field. And this guy, like I said, he gets open. He doesn't really need the speed because he's more of a technician as a wide receiver. And I do think there are some things in there that we haven't seen from, from him because he just hasn't had the opportunities when he was thrust into the limelight, into the big spots in the game. More often than not, Josh Palmer was making those plays. So I think he has showed at least last year that in the big moments, he can be trusted. And when you perform yeah. in the big moments, you're going to get more opportunities to perform in the big moments. Yeah. And I mean, it, and you're going to get those targets in the big moments with a lot of attention yeah. going to guys like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And that makes a lot of sense. We'll see what he can do with them, but it's just, is the redundancy in the skill set to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams too much? to justify having him on the field, you know, enough to have that breakout season. And that's, we're going to wait to see Daniel Popper said, he thinks that Josh Palmer is going to put some distance in between himself and the wide receiver three conversation. He thinks he's going to be the clear favorite at some point. He's going to kind of make that separation and make himself the clear number three. I can't wait to see it this week. I can tell you that much, but I think the RB two situation is a little bit clearer with Isaiah Spiller going to the mix. Is this the third year the Chargers will take a running back that ends up not panning out? Or can he separate not. himself for Larry Roundtree and Josh Kelly? We're going to get into that coming up right after this. I can't believe I even said, talked about the running back situation without bringing up Xander Horvath, right? And his competition he, against Dan? Gabe Neighbors is one of the biggest offensive camp battles. We have to talk about that, and we will Massive. talk about that. RB2 is where it starts, though, because this is 
the only really position, I think probably right tackle, you've heard people talk about it, right? You you, you know that's even Brandon Staley's talking about how Tom Selesko's having to address it, all that. But with the running back two situation, it's a little bit different because, I mean, this guy seems like he has a clear way to RB2 and Isaiah Spill, or mostly because of what the other two guys in Josh Kelly and Larry Ramstreet haven't done, right? And Austin Eckler... Yeah. Clearly is the best running back. There's no competition for starting here, but it's who's going to get those next snaps because Brandon Staley has asked him to step up. Austin Eckler himself has asked the running back to step up behind him. Nobody was able to do it. Justin Jackson was the closest thing, and he's gone now. But as we see it right now, David, so, I mean, we didn't make our predictions on wide receivers, but I think Josh Palmer eventually is going to win that and get more snaps than Jalen Guyton. I just don't know how it's going to all work out because it could be because of injury. We just don't know yet. Um, but for the running back situation, do you see it right now? Is it clear to you that it's going to be Isaiah Spillier's RB2 as we enter camp before, you know, as he enters his first training camp? Yeah, I mean, I think he actually has a, a better chance right now to get that RB2 spot because what Josh Kelly and Larry Roundtree have already put out in the ether is not anything to sneeze at. It's not, I mean, nothing to be happy about. Excuse me. Sure. You look at Josh Kelly here, 10 games, 33 for 102, 3.1 yards per carry average, the long of 14, mind you, and then Larry Roundtree, 12 games, 36 attempts, 87 yards, 2.4 yard per carry average. Not good at all. They Both didn't get very many opportunities. At one point, too, yeah. Yeah, and then you know, obviously, also Josh Kelly lost a fumble as well, so not yeah. a lot of not a lot of attempts. But also, when you put the ball on the ground, they're gonna they're not gonna put the ball in your hands more often. Uh, so Isaiah Spiller coming in with the clean slate, just with just his college attributes to coming bringing that to the table, back to back thousand plus yard yards rushing seasons in college, average five point five yards per carry. A guy who's a little bit of a bigger back who I feel like is a great compliment to Austin Eckler. You really just want somebody who, when he gets on the field, he can be competent in the offense. He can be a decent pass protector. He can be a guy that can be a safety valve out in the flat, a guy that can get you some tough yards in between the tackles. I feel like Isaiah Spiller is the best back out of this group to show that he can do that and bring some good balance to the Chargers offense that they didn't really have last year. I think a better balance. They they took a step in the right direction balance-wise last season, and that yeah. was even with, you know, the offense not forcing it nearly as much as the Lynn Steichen regime lasted. Yep. But you want it to be more efficient, right? And, and you want yeah. to be able to have that be a weapon, especially late in games, and, and that stuff travels. That travels to bad weather stadiums, right? And you have a game where you're playing like the Patriots and the Bills last year, and there's 50-mile-an-hour wins. You're going to wish you had a very good running game, and I wouldn't consider the Chargers very good last year. Spiller, to me, is the obvious choice, and I think the big thing for him, David, is going to be not to fumble, right? Because there's yes. going to be very few things that are going to have the coaches you know, inspire trust less in the coaches than going out there in training camp and putting the ball on the ground, like you talked yeah. about. Like if Spiller did have a few fumbles in college, obviously, eight and three seasons. It's only going to be an issue at the pro level if he makes it one, because if he yeah. goes out there and he holds on to the football – no one's going to be really questioning it. It's not going to go, you know, it's not going to turn into a thing. But I do think he is more elusive than he is given credit for, right? We talked about yeah. 100 missed tackles for the last couple of years. 1,286 yards after contact the last couple of years. All that stuff's great. But, David, 
everyone's talking about guys like Trey Pipkins, right? Going to Duke Manyweather and O-line masterminds. And there's like Titan University out there. Now, nobody's talking about the fact that Isaiah Spiller has been working out with Rashad Whitfield, a.k.a. the Footwork King. So oh. he's been going and doing his own workout, right? And the drills that he's been doing, traditional movements to more unorthodox ones designed to simulate open field situations, rapid fire cuts, and decision making. But this is a guy who has helped some yak specialists in his time, like Debo Samuel, Le'Veon Bell, David Montgomery, Odell Beckham, C.D. Lamb. I mean, all those dudes are kind of known for that. Even Xavier Howard, which makes sense because you have to do a lot of cutting and stuff like that if you're out there in coverage, for yeah. sure, with some of these freaks. But it is funny. I just saw that, and it's just like, oh, you know, hey, some other people are doing stuff like this because I, I wanted to bring this up specifically because his footwork is so good. I think his vision yeah. is really good as well. And even though it isn't a lot of competition, I do think that he goes in as easily the most talented running back here. And even with the low athletic scores, I still like his chances to easily come away with this. But no one's talking about the footworking. <laughs> and hey, we got to talk about his dad, too, who is his, his biggest hype man, who's been shooting some videos sure. of his workouts and putting him out there on Twitter, just letting everybody know that, yeah, it's the offseason, but my kid is still out here putting that work in trying yeah. to give the best first impression that he can at training camp. And if he can come in here and really solidify this running back group, it could bring that hammer late, that different element to the offense that the chargers didn't have last year, you know, add to the physicality, you know, they've been trying to get bigger and badder. This is another way that they can do that through the running back room. I hope that Isaiah Spiller is the guy to answer the call after they've cycled two other running backs. Um, yeah. Also, honestly, just before we move on, I think one of the more underrated battles is really between Josh Kelly, Larry Roundtree, and if any of these undrafted free agent running backs can come up in here and steal one of their spots. I mean, I think one of these guys is probably not going to be on the roster at, you know, when it's time to select the 53. Yeah, so I mean, as far as Isaiah Spiller goes, I I think I mean he's not really a power back. Like that's not really the position he played. He is a bigger back. He's definitely a taller yeah. back, but he's not this big bruising guy. I mean, I think honestly, where he does his best work is what he's able to do in traffic, just the footwork to get through the holes, right? Being able to always fall forward and finish through contact is something he definitely did well. But a lot of that's because of the elusiveness and the footwork that makes it very hard to hit him square, which is something I yeah. saw a lot. And that's something that Larry Roundtree and Josh Kelly both struggled at extremely because last year, if you take the only of the running backs who had at least 30 carries, Josh Kelly ranked 90th out of 94 running backs in yards after contact per carry. Oof. Not good, right? Falling forward, getting yards after, after, contract, after contact is huge. That's a terrible number. There's no way Larry Roundtree couldn't have hit that. No, he was 92nd out of 94 running backs in yards after contact per carry. So like, I think that's oh, what hurts my. with as far as like the Chargers not getting a truly, you know, more athletic, explosive back than Isaiah Spiller is just adding that kind of element. Yeah. Because you went with a lesser athletic guy testing wise, and you already have two guys who are not the best athletes out there, at least as far as running backs goes. And like this is like below replacement level, right? That, that's the numbers you're hearing here. I mean, 3.2 yards per carry for Kelly, 2.4 for Larry Roundtree, and one catch for negative one yards. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's bad, right? But then yeah. you look at breakaway percentage, right? That's what you, you were kind of hoping for to get a little bit. Both Larry Roundtree and Josh Kelly were both tied with a 0% breakaway percentage. They were two of nine running backs in the NFL that never popped a 15-yard run, which is what it takes to be considered a breakaway run. 
Austin yeah. Eckler was up there, but this was in both of these guys tied with zero percent. So I think that's obviously why you feel so good about Isaiah Spiller going into this because the bar is set pretty low as you really see low. it right now. Unless these dudes make major improvements and Larry Roundtree, obviously, it's less than the hundred and forty-four times we've seen Josh Kelly carry the football. He's only carried it thirty-six times at this level. Josh Kelly's numbers went way down though going into his yeah. second season. Larry Roundtree, we'll still see, but. That is why, David, that you you see this conversation is not just can Isaiah Spiller be RB2, but is it just between Josh Kelly and Larry Roundtree to see which one of these guys can even stick on the roster? Because both were also bottom 11 and missed tackles for us in the entire NFL. So it's like those numbers are pretty damning unless they can get a lot better. Yeah, they have to. They're going. They have to get a lot better, or or they're not going to make this roster. This Chargers team is way, way too talented, and there's just not a lot of spots open. So you really need to make your mark. You need to come into this training camp and hopefully erase that horrible performance that you had last year. Come in, work your tail off, and try to earn your role because that's what you're going to have to do this season if you want to latch on to this team. That by all accounts is really set up to do something special you need to make sure that you deserve to be on this roster it's not going to be easy yeah i mean i if, if there if justin jackson was on like was still with the team they resigned to a one-year deal i mean i would think there's a legitimate chance that neither one of these guys ends up making the roster just because like i mean it just has the transition just hasn't happened right and yeah that could happen with isaiah spiller too because we haven't seen it we haven't seen yeah. how he transitions and transitions into the league so he still has to go in there and prove it. But, like, those guys, I mean, yeah, an undrafted free agent has a shot, right? Kevin Marks Jr., Letty Brown, those dudes. Pat White just became an offensive assistant, former West Virginia quarterback. So maybe he has a couple good things to say about Letty Brown. But, yeah, that's definitely an open spot. I mean, at tight end, there could be an open spot. Tight end four. I mean, fullback, there could be an open spot, David, between Gabe Neighbors and Xander Horvath. And I think the thing that doesn't help Gabe Neighbors – First of all, the thing that helps Gabe Neighbors is a brisket boy. And, you know, Justin Herbert, definitely. <laughs> they're definitely good friends for sure. Best but friends Gabe with Neighbors the golden was, boy. Yeah, I mean, they also, though, you know, used him as a healthy scratch last year and replaced a lot of his snaps with Steven Anderson because of what Steven Anderson can do on special teams, at least partially. Yeah. I mean, Gabe has some special teams ability, too. But they did draft Xander Horvath, even if it was late, late in the seventh round. And you're talking about just a freak athletic guy who's going to be also trying out for this position. And I think we already know kind of what you have in Gabe Neighbors. So I think the one thing in hoping that it could be Xander Horvath is like, hey, maybe there's something more you can get out of that fullback position. Even understanding this dude has a long way to go before he can be a starting NFL fullback. Right. Well, I mean, he didn't really play fullback in college, so he needs to learn how to actually play fullback first and foremost. Uh, but yeah, he's got a pro body, and so they're gonna figure <laughs> he's it got out. A pro body, <laughs> but no, they in were all like, seriousness, I bet Tom Telesco and Staley were like kind of laughing about that. Like it seemed like when they were asked about that, they're just like, "Hey, he's a freak," you know. Let's see what happens, kind of thing. <laughs> well, yeah, but like what I was gonna say is, I mean, hey, this is another guy you can put on the field that could be a weapon at some point, you know, some way. It, they, they they could get something out of the the fullback position that they didn't last year, and yeah, they used a tight end for a lot of that last year, but. Maybe they think that this guy can bring a little bit of a different element to to the fullback position for the Chargers. If he's actually on the field and active on game day, that would be already a marked difference than last season. 
Yeah, and he's a guy that's going to have to prove it on special teams, right? If he can go out there and just use all that pure athleticism and just become a demon on special teams, there's no better way to make a roster as a guy who's towards the end of the roster. He has like the, one of the highest RAS like scores in the history of that scoring platform. He too. has a higher RAS as a running back than Derrick Henry did. So I don't know if he needs to go any further than that. I mean, he, he's a, he's a freak. It. He's huge, he's though, closed. you know, but he's also a super, you know, straight up runner. He runs super tall. He fumbles yeah. a bunch. So it's like he needs to make a lot of improvements in a lot of different places to try, kind of be the jack of all trades that he could potentially turn into. But I'm excited to see how it all plays out. And David Drogmeyer, at least, and maybe even potentially me, if enough of you want me to be there. Now, I wish that was what it was. <laughs> but we'll be at training camp on Wednesday to be talking about what's happening and recapping day one for Thursday's show. But make sure you guys are back here tomorrow for the defensive camp battles that we're going to be breaking out. And thank you guys, as always, for making us your first listen. Now, make the second listen. You have the Locked On NFL podcast where the national NFL experts keep fans dialed in with the biggest stories from around the league, wherever you get podcasts from. But thank you guys again for all the support over the weekend with the wedding and everything going on and your patience the last couple of weeks as everything has gotten crazy. Can't tell you how much we guys we appreciate you guys. And to make sure if you want to keep supporting the show that you can find it by subscribing to the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel, by following the show wherever you get your podcast from, or subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get it from, you can find us there. You can also find us on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports and David Drogmeyer on Twitter at DrotalkSD. You can also find the show's Twitter at LockdownLAC. And you can also find us on Instagram at LockdownChargers and our Lockdown Chargers Facebook page. Don't know if we're doing Fan Mail Friday. We'll see how training camp goes. But as always, you can get your voicemails in at 323-524-7924. And we try to get those played on the show. Or we always will put a post out that you guys can respond to. As always, David Drogmeyer's DMs are always open. But come back tomorrow for, I think, an even crazier conversation about some of the snaps that are up for grabs on the defensive side. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.